0: I'm Travis. I'm Nate. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to the Cast and Blast Florida podcast. We are serious outdoorsmen who don't take themselves too seriously. This week, we're serious outdoorsmen who are taking ourselves pretty seriously as I'm rejoined by a good friend of the show conservation guru, Mr. Dan Daniels, and we are going to take another run at restricted hunting areas. This is an important thing in the landscape, and this is going to feel a little bit like an eat your vegetables type of episode, but I promise you it's important. It's good information. This is a great conversation, and uh, you guys are hopefully going to learn something from it and or challenge our perspectives or maybe challenge your own. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, Restricted hunting areas part two coming at you right now. Dan Daniels is back. You always get, you don't get the fun episodes much. Have you noticed that?
1: Oh, tr- trust me, man. We had one that was like supposed to be fun, but then it ended up, you know, the whole Duck Dynasty thing, right. which, you know, gets uh, a lot of pushback, you know,
0: but uh, it's okay. I'm how you, down with it. How you doing, Dan? We're recording this um, post early youth season. And I know as a dad of what do you have 27 kids now is that is that an accurate close it's some multiple of that right
1: so (laughs) but with uh, all with all five kids I, I can't the logistics make it tough so I said all right hands up in the air who wants to go this weekend. It ended up being four out of five. Wow. So I was just I was just happy that one decided to stay home because <laughs> like like I said logistics make it tricky. And uh, man, I I gave it the all on this one. I scouted. I had a spot picked out. I borrowed my buddy's uh, mud boat, and uh, man, the kids got up on time. I pre arranged all the clothing. It, it was it was it was good pull up to the spot, get there just enough time to start throwing decoys, get ready, hop in the boat, and did not pull the trigger. Did you see, was did you see any birds? A couple here and there. And uh, this was a place where I lined up a good 50 to 60 teal, half a dozen model ducks, was thinking it would be a slam dunk to land some, uh, you know, teal water whack type of shots to get the kids' confidence up, and nothing. Now, let's let's – the duck hunting, right? It is what it is. A t- lot of tropical weather had come through since a lot of tropical weather. That spot. Yeah. And we had uh you know, pastures all over the place that are in close proximity. So with a three to six inch increase in water height, I'm I'm assuming the birds weren't very far away. They just weren't in the public land but area.
0: They were on a uh, Bahia nutrient uptake uh, uh, invertebrate it, feed in a nearby it, cattle pasture. It, exactly. We, uh, I, Will and I, you know Steve Whittem, longtime friend of this show, Steve Whittem. He's, yeah, absolutely. He's, he was actually our first patron, believe it or not, Steve and wow. Stacy. Wow. He's great. He's a good dude. So took Steve and his seven-year-old nephew with us, Daniel, and they went with me and Will of the Two Minute Will fame. And we had the opposite experience. We, we were covered in birds. <laughs> I'm talking about birds coming at us from every different direction. You're watching them work in front of you, and you're hearing them coming in behind you. They were just freaking everywhere. So it was a, it was a fun bird watching experience. I will say uh, I think Will only shot four or six times. We really wanted to get a bird landed for Daniel. Because he's so little, and it was his first time shooting this gun, we really wanted to get a bird on the water, and so most of these were wood ducks. We did have some model ducks come by. We had some teal work, and but we wanted to get some birds landed, and we could not get them to finish. They would they yeah. would come in banked, like like wings cupped, perfect broadside shots. And I and Will, I was really proud though as a dad because he was like, "It's okay, Dad. We're gonna get Daniel a shot. We're gonna get Daniel a shot." Like he was encouraged to get the kid a shot. So that, that meant a lot to me, but, um, we didn't cut kind a. Of, I, I think he, he made one bird move. Um, so, but it was, <laughs> it, he, he got done and he's like, that's the most ducks I've ever seen in my life. I've never, I've yeah. never been on a hunt and seen that many ducks. So we had the opposite experience, same outcome you had, uh, no birds were harmed in the making. We did go, we did go get a few coots. So Daniel was able to get his first bird. So that was exciting. Um, very cool. And then we'll, we'll, pounded a couple more so they had something to put in the uh in the cooker that night
1: i uh told my crew what we did learn was patience It doesn't always work out we learned patience it's called
0: honey, not killing for a reason that's right that's <laughs> right <laughs> so dan is back we we teased this a little bit last week when we talked about public trust and dan is back we are talking about rhas again And if you're not familiar with RHAs, I'll give you a real quick hit. Dan and I did an episode, I don't have that number in front of me, but I feel like it was about two or three weeks ago. Restricted hunting areas is the title of the episode. And we kind of walked through a lot of our concerns with FWC's draft rule for restricted hunting areas. And at that time we knew what we knew. Like we didn't know everything and we asked a whole lot of questions in that. And since then we've had about fifty billion conversations about this, so and that's an approximate number. So we really wanted to come back and do justice to the agency because they've clarified a whole bunch of things. Like there were absolutely whole, there were a whole lot of questions we have that have been clarified. So we want to clear that up. We got some feedback on our first episode um, that we need to address and talk about, and then we want to talk about new new questions that we have that have kind of come up since then. Like as you get answers, you get more information, and we talked. We talked a while back about critical thinking on this process and wanting to do the best we could do with it. And then we're gonna talk about desired outcomes, things we'd like to see happen uh, to to this rule and with this rule and and maybe some alternatives to it. So um, that said, we know that a bunch of people from around the country are gonna be listening to this. This has become a little bit of a hot button topic. So we're gonna try to do a good job of cleaning up, like I said, I think it was episode 153, does that sound right? Sounds about right. Which was the original restricted <coughs> hunting area episode. So this will be RHA's part due, as they say. D E U X. Yes. Right? Part due. That makes us Has sound more be. refined. That's right. So um that said, we're gonna call we're gonna abbreviate a lot in this episode. We're gonna say RHAs instead of restricted hunting areas. We're gonna say CWAs instead of critical wildlife areas. We're gonna say F W C instead of Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. And I think that's all the think that's all the uh, long or the uh, abbreviations we have, but we will shorthand those and and we're, we try to be pretty uh, intentional about defining them really good for our audience. But I'm going to go ahead and define them up front. And like I say, if you listen to the other episode or the public trust episode, you'll hear some of those in that as well. So, Dan, I'm going to start and just kind of take us through some of the feedback. I'll take us through it. You kind of respond to it, and then we'll we'll clarify some of this stuff. Some of the feedback we received on the first episode we did. And that episode was just me and you. Nate and Emily weren't on it. Um, the first one, and let me say this, one of the things that Cast and Blast we've always tried to do is take criticism well. So I'm going to say it like this. It was not said this meanly to us. But one, someone reached out to us and said, there was some hypocrisy on Florida isn't like other states. We say that Florida is unique, uh, but we pick and choose when to compare. So I think that's a fair criticism. I'll take that because we said on our on our first episode, Florida's unique. We I say this all the time. It's got the same population as Colorado, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Idaho, Montana, and Oregon. We have that population in Florida. So when you think about conservation, you think about land management, I think that's a, a pretty big deal. Um but some of the pushback was, well, you say it's unique, but is it really that unique? So, do you have a response to that? Do you have any takeaways from that? Do you want to clarify that?
1: Yeah, so there's no doubt it's unique. All 50 states are unique. But I understand the criticism and I I want to try to uh, I'm going to try to make that <clears throat> statement because it's true. That criticism is appropriate. There are other population dense states that have similar hunter non-hunter interface issues is that a fair thing to say I think so you know as we're talking about RHA so yeah uh, some that come to mind are the northeastern states um, specifically uh, Pennsylvania is a big state New Jersey is a population dense state with a lot of issues like that Um, New York State things like that so yeah that's a fair criticism and uh, you know when we're talking about how we are unique there's no doubt that we are being the southernmost continental u.s state peninsular high density and so forth but uh on the discussion of rhas yeah there's some overlap for sure with it, other states
0: and the hypocrisy really comes from i don't think i clarified this well last year it was your first time on the show we talked about the bear hunt and we said florida is the only state with a population of a thousand bears where we don't have a bear hunt so is it okay to say we have we, we should have a bear hunt because other states have bear hunts but we shouldn't have a distance rule because other States don't have distance rules. You know what I mean? Like I, I recognize that. Right. I do yep. think there's more n- nuance to it. I think you're right as well. And we'll get to some of that later in this episode, but um, I felt like it was fair to take that under advisement. And as such, I'll tell you this, we're going to talk a lot about a New York rule, a proposed New York rule towards the end of this. When we, when we get to desired outcomes, when this person pointed that out to me, it's a person I respect and admire immensely, uh, very wise individual. Um, the first thing I did was sit down and look for a state that compared favorably to Florida in size and population and had shoreline. And so we, I, I landed on New York pretty quickly. It was the first one I looked at. So anyway, um, we hear you, though, and, and we have kind of taken that into account and tried to be a little more open-minded about it. The second feedback thing we received, and I got this from a couple of people, was fear mongering on law enforcement. Um, To some folks, this doesn't seem like a real thing. Um, And I want to talk about why this is still important to us. And and what we're talking about specifically is, before I give it to you, Dan, is the idea of when we recorded, we did not understand. And and this wasn't clarified very well. So I'll take some of the brunt on this, but I also think it wasn't explained very well until we had the webinars with FWC, but one of the things is we were worried about local law enforcement handling enforcement of game laws. That has been clarified. Any state officer in the state of Florida can handle game laws, which I'm not sure if we knew that or not, but the, the way it's it works today is if I roll up to the boat ramp and I get Polk County sheriffs there, typically... They're going to call my local FWC officer if they think I've broken a game law and get that guy out there and get him on the case because he's, it's more of his zone, more of his, I, I don't know why they do jurisdiction. that. Jurisdiction. Yeah. Maybe they all have the same jurisdiction, but I don't understand if they can all enforce the rules. Why do you have different specialty right. divisions? I I can understand the nuance of that. But anyway, I want to clarify why we were concerned about local law enforcement involvement and I'll, I'll table set this as well. The local law enforcement will only be responsible for enforcing the restricted hunting area, not any of the other game rules. So right. Dan, do you wanna take a stab at that? And
1: yeah, so I don't think it was fear mongering, but I was concerned. So whatever you wanna call that, concern mongering, because we hadn't gone through the, uh, the webinar process on the RHAs. Specifically, I talked to a state representative for FWC afterwards who had we we had kind of reached out before and after the webinar segment and uh, I didn't know that actually what you were talking about I always knew it was the other way around where uh, basically a deputized FWC officer could you know cite you for speeding ticket if they needed to or Make an arrest if they saw an assault. I you know, I actually did not know it went the other way, but I'm trying to think if I've ever seen it go the other way, and I, and I haven't, but I have seen FWC help local PD with certain regular criminal types of things. Specifically, when you talk about like uh, drug interdiction things like that, FWC is a big player actually in that arena, uh, patrolling. Um, you know, again, the old the old FWC was uh, uh, the Marine Patrol and the Game Wardens, and they kind of combined now to what we see today. So, yeah, I'll 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 take one. Uh, uh, You know, I take an L on that for mongering, but I don't think it was for fear. I think it was appropriate concern at the time with what we knew.
0: Do you still have concern about local law enforcement?
1: I do, but it's 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 been, you know,
0: hedged a bit based on this. And uh, mine has not been hedged. Mine. (laughs) I should say it has been hedged somewhat. Um, I spoke to some folks just like you did. And I, I think we are and I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna use this analogy a lot, but I feel like this RHA vehicle is a vehicle that's going to get abused. And that's my fear about it. It's not that I think FWC is set up to set hunters up or create a bad system, but I think the RHA vehicle in and of itself is a bad system. And my fear is, yes, there's supposed to be a training component for local law enforcement when they set up an RHA, but I know for a fact because I've run into local law enforcement a lot in the places I hunt and it's just, I'm not sure how clean and clear you can make that. And the idea of involving them and saying, okay, you you go up to this edge and then we take over from there, but it only covers the water here right up to the edge of the water. But over there it covers it, you know, 300 feet from the house, so on this particular spot, it's 175 feet from the edge of the water. I just feel like you're you're getting into some muddy stuff there where there's going to be some hard conversations with law enforcement at the ramp, which I think is a problem when you get into things like R3.
1: Yeah, so you're talking about the broader construct component of it, which is one of the reasons why. This is not let's let's expedite this. This is one of the reasons why the RHA is still not a preferred vehicle to mitigate hunter, non hunter or uh, uh, developed, you know, interests. This is still a part of it that makes it actually trickier. In your mind, I'm, I'm not speaking for Travis. No, that's 100 true. makes it easier. It doesn't make it easier. <laughs> it actually adds a layer of difficulty in some way. Now, my when I say I was hedged, I, I thought at some point they were going to say, "Oh, hey, we got legal hunting in this area because you can legally hunt, uh, you know, with some components of an RHA like upland hunting," and they were going to just call, uh, you know, local LEO for like bag checks, game checks, things like that. That doesn't seem to be where they're going with that. The, uh, um, so that part was clarified for me. At one point, I did not understand exactly how that was going to work.
0: Right, right. So, yeah, that part is clarified, <coughs> but I still have some concerns about... Well, and you should. I, I, I feel like... And I don't want to make this sound ivory towerish, because a lot of these FWC guys have moved around the state. Most of them are Florida guys that have been here a long time but I feel like a little bit of this is um, a a laboratory determination. Like this will work in a vacuum and we're sitting down here in the vacuum and it's, or in the, in the, in the real world. And I'm not sure it's going to work the same way that it's imagined to work. And I think those yeah. interactions are going to be bad for hunters. That's, yeah. that's just my two cents as a guy that hunts public order exclusively.
1: Yeah. And I don't disagree with you, but I will say this. I do think my concern is not, it, my original concern is not a concern right now, so you know
0: that that was a clarification, and I and I'm okay with that. Yep. Um, other feedback we got positive feedback from a number of agency staff um, across the board. We had a, a huge amount of folks from FWC reach out to us about the episode we did, um, and they were super receptive to both our criticisms and our and our comments. I'll say, uh, and I I appreciated that, and I think you you spoke to some as well.
1: I did. And, you know, I don't think anybody can say that we are um, not trying to make it better for both agencies. I I, I don't think you'd you'd be that. It's not what we're trying to. We're not trying to make it stickier or grittier or worse off. We're trying to really make it better.
0: The other feedback that that we got, and I saw more of this, I think, than you did, Dan. But um, and I I put down 100 percent agreement. I don't know if it was 100 percent agreement, but. Our following tends to gravitate to be the blue collar public land waterfowl guy. These are the guys that are not hunting in. Um, I, I won't name them online, but these are not necessarily the Okeechobee guys. Okay, these are these are the guys that are hunting their local lakes and they're and they're they're working their tails off to get to birds day in day out, and th- a lot of these are guys that are hunting thirty days out of the sixty nine you can hunt. Like they're, they're not just weekend warriors are really, this is their love, their passion. And they have a lot of concerns about this. And I feel like we're trying to do a good job to represent some of those concerns when we're talking about this. So I just wanted to put that out there as well. Did you hear any of that? Well,
1: I still, uh, yes and no. Uh, I'll try to say this. Um, I feel like I've, t- I've told people this i feel like i'm personally biased because i've had negative experiences with similar rha like issues before so i am hyper aware so i can understand where it's different for some other folks maybe being that this is the first time they've addressed this or thought that this was an issue at all and uh it doesn't seem like a big issue to them but for me personally it has been an issue there's legacy for me so i try to just tone down my rhetoric a bit to let people um, that may not be uh, coming from my point of view come come to the, a discussion though at least with, uh, um, I, I try to listen to their concerns knowing that, oh hey, they maybe never experienced this yet. Let me
0: try to explain. So that, that's been my uh, way through it. So we did have a couple of questions that have been answered and even from my outline here, we've already talked about a couple of those, but one is uh, the idea of enforcement Local law enforcement can already enforce game laws today. Um, One thing we haven't talked about yet is the number of incidences. And I know this is a thing that's near and dear to your heart, Dan, but there's been no incidences of public safety occurring between waterfowl hunters and homeowners. And what I mean by that is no one's been injured in that scenario as I can, as I, to the best of my knowledge, and I've gotten that from agency staff as well. It's extremely rare, and I, I I'm not going to say that it
1: never has happened or doesn't happen, but hunters don't really hurt non hunters while hunting. There is definitely hunters that hurt uh, other hunters every year, mostly it, with deer hunting. I, I mean, I've looked at the stats, and just to kind of give give some perspective here, um, I. I am medically trained. I used to work in uh, emergency department and trauma department. My wife still works in the trauma department. We just don't see a, a lot of this um, on on the landscape. Hunters, typically when they get injured or other hunters, are falling out of trees, wrecking ATVs, driving to and from, boating, things like that. And the non-hunter observer is rarely, if ever, getting injured by hunters. It, it just doesn't happen. So when we talk about RHAs and in the construct of um, you know public safety, that's a non-starter for me. It, it just doesn't really exist. So I, I'm gonna continue to push back on that part of it.
0: And, and particularly for me as well, it's a struggle when first time I'll mention this, we should get a little ding that comes up anytime we mention the North American conservation model. And we need a better acronym for that. The NAMC. See? The NAMC? Anyway, um, that doesn't roll off the tongue the way the FWC does or RHA does. But first time we're going to mention that tonight. And we talk all the time about game management laws being data-driven. And to me, there's not data that drives this. And I don't understand... I, I still at least maintain, not from a yeah
1: yeah at least not from a public safety component. It just the, the it's just not there.
0: And so then we get into the question, and I'm I'm kind of vamping a little bit here, but we get into the question of well, do we wait for it to become an issue? Right. And, and I don't know the answer to that, but at the same time, it's like I, I also don't see this being. <laughs> The, the, the instance that is often cited, there's two instances of public safety. They're often using examples in these conversations. And one is, I believe up in the panhandle, uh, someone was hunting under um, a homeowner's dock. They were using the dock as a blind. To the best of my knowledge of what I know about that situation, the dock was not harmed. So the dock was built <laughs> on public water. These guys walked out there and sat under it. Do I think they should have done that? No, I really don't. But I'm also gonna be honest with you, I don't like the number of docks that we have built in our state. Like I don't love that either. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other instance that gets mentioned a lot is on Hunter's Lake, which was put into an RHA last year. And that was a home on a canal where the pool screen was damaged by shot. To which I've asked this question and said this a bajillion times. Whoever did that under 790 already has, has they're in violation. Like they, they, they trespass by projectile and, or, cause damage to your property by projectile. There's a, there's a rule there already to prosecute them, to take them and do whatever you need to do with them. I'm not sure why FWC needs this mirror rule, but they seem pretty insistent that they do. So,
1: yeah. And I think part of their insistence is that there was a long legacy of this type of language That uh, quite honestly I knew about but I didn't realize how far it actually went back. So there was an old tool and that tool was really, really rusty and not uh, really working well. But because it was in the shed, people explored it as a tool to use in this scenario. And now in essence, what we're trying to do is, like, sharpen it and, uh, you know, polish it off so we can use it again. Well, how about we just get rid of this tool? That, that's, that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah, and that's a good clarification, Dan, because we said this is a pretty recent thing. RHAs have been around a long time, not necessarily in the same format that they are today. C- correct. But the impression I have, and you, you weigh in on this as soon as I'm done, the impression I have is RHAs have not been weaponized against hunters until recently.
1: Well, right. So, and, and again there are people that say it's not, but these are our concerns. That's why we're going through the process. Uh, in general, I, I tell people, just say what they are, right? You, you did your alphabet soup. You're saying that we're going to promote and improve hunting through a restricted hunting area. That doesn't... I understand it's that's an over, overly simplistic look at it. It doesn't explain the whole story. But con- from a construct standpoint, that's not the tool I want to be using. I think there's other better tools to, to do that.
0: Couldn't agree more. The clarification on the loss of RHAs. And this is one I may butcher it a little bit because it's been a couple of weeks since I had this conversation. But I think it's important to get this out there because I think it's a, it's a nod to what the agency is trying to do. If a municipality applies the RHA incorrectly, if they enforce it incorrectly, as I understand it, they can lose the RHA. I don't know what to do with that, but I, I felt like it was a it was kind of a no a, a piece of information that I gleaned that I felt like doing my due diligence and being fair about this conversation. I need to put it out there. Does that change anything yeah. for you or no or
1: not not particularly? But at least there is some at some at, you know there was one point where we said in our prior discussion where is the oversight coming from? So at least there's some oversight to rescind an RHA. Um, I I don't think they have it well codified on the FWC end, but if they're saying it, I believe them. I don't think they're lying to us, and I'm glad to hear that there's some way to rescind an RHA if it's been, you know, used in the wrong way or um the 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 uh, municipality or agency requesting didn't do their due diligence
0: well i think not just due diligence i think if the agency if the municipality failed to i'm making this up okay not a legal authority here at all this is travis hunting fishing guide podcaster talking right now but the way i kind of understood it or pieced it together in my head is if the municipality got an rha approved and they didn't put the signs up and then they arrested someone for violating an rha they could lose that RHA. I don't necessarily love that whole ideal because it still puts a hunter in a position where he has to go to court and or avail himself of the, of the system. And I don't, I think there are better solutions out there than that, but yeah, we
1: don't, we don't want that to be that hypothetical. We don't, we hope never happens. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, the other question that's been answered is something you mentioned already just a minute ago. Um, there's no commission or Hunter options to overturn an RHA request if the criteria are met.
1: And, and yeah, and you tell me, but apparently that's just a straight true statement and the request requesting entity will be granted the RHA provided that they, um, check their boxes off in their criteria, correct? Is,
0: that is, I have asked that question repeatedly and gotten no different uh, answer from what we just m- said.
1: M- me too. So, okay. So there, there's that. And, and, and quite honestly, that does not sit well with me. I'll just, I'll just stay hard on that. So, same.
0: I don't like that one bit. New questions. Uh, first thing I have up is the distance rule. Distance rules come up quite a bit in these conversations and I, I went to every webinar. I couldn't ask questions in every webinar cause Um, family stuff, like (laughs) you you, you do have a life outside of doing this, right, Dan? Um, But one of the things that came up a lot is the agency staff continue to say other states have a distance rule, other states have a distance rule, other states have a distance rule. And this is where we'll first get into the New York rule. But um, one of the things that kind of struck me is we keep talking about this distance rule. Is there not a mechanism that says, okay, are there better things in an RHA out there that could apply this distance rule since this distance rule seems to be so pivotal to this conversation?
1: Yeah. So I am, I have never denied that there is going to be, or there will be uh, more user interface hunter landowner conflict, right? So that's, that's real. And it's simply based, uh, it's a numbers game. You know, you have fewer hunters, but disproportionately more uh, development and landowners in these riparian uh, areas. That's going to happen. We are going to have these problems. Um, I do feel still that these other types of uh, exploring other types of distance rule from a statewide uh, um You know standpoint is reasonable. I thought we had that already figured out with 790. Apparently that's not good enough. So I'm that's why we're having this discussion and this is an opportunity to put in a uh, or at least have this discussion about a better statewide s- m- more straightforward distance rule that eliminates or reduces the impact of this uh, rha construct so um you know i'm on board this is the time i i feel like this is the time to be doing this since we're you know dealing with the rha stuff uh anyway and uh you know, in essence, um, why wouldn't we want simpler, broader rules? One of the big complaints that we have with how we do things in this state, hunting-wise, is this WMA allows this, this WMA allows that, this WMA doesn't allow this, this WMA doesn't allow that, this lake allows this, this lake. It, I mean, it's crazy. You know, you have to know where your feet are, and then you have to read the rules, then you have to reread the rules. And, um, you know, this isn't... It, completely unique to Florida, but it's getting harder and
0: harder here as we in essence micromanage for so many different needs. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, and I want to, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and share the New York rule language and we'll come back to, actually no, you know what, I'll wait and do that at the end. I'll do that at the end when we talk about desired outcomes because I know we're going to want to talk in depth about it there. Um, another new question that we have and this we've already kind of touched on this a little bit but I think it, it bears bringing up. CWAs, critical wildlife areas. Um, part of the new draft rule removes the bird sanctuary component from the RHA rule. And the reason it does that is it's been replaced by critical wildlife areas. That's That's been done, we talked about that on the first podcast. CWAs require special requirements and criteria be met and they may still be rejected. Um, why isn't there a similar, if we had to live with an RHA rule, why isn't there a similar agency subjective criteria that must be met from the perspective of a hunter in other words and i'm i'm talking in a a vacuum now right i'm playing mad scientist but if someone from habitat and species conservation has to go out and see if that wood stork nesting rookery is worthy of being a cwa why doesn't someone from habitat game management have to go out and look and see if there is a safe way that waterfowl hunters could still hunt in this area
1: uh, agreed. And let me just state this for the, you know, whatever podcast record we can. Kudos to FWC for keeping and strengthening the CWA component. I don't know if they strengthen it, but keeping it and, and realizing it's a great tool and and, you know, r- eliminating or reducing the bird sanctuary component. The bird sanctuary component was not a great rule. A CWA is a good thing. If we are conservationists in this space, we want. FWC to have CWAs at their disposal to protect imperiled wildlife or areas of habitat that are specifically uh, uh, you know for better lack of a better word special to uh, uh, game uh, or in animals in general so I, I want to just say this is a, this is a good part. This is the one of the pros in this discussion is eliminating bird sanctuary rule, which was another hot mess of a rule, and uh, promoting the CWA component as the conservation tool for uh, uh, specific areas of concern.
0: What was the number? Do you remember the number that Kip gave me a couple of weeks ago? Like in Charlotte Harbor, there's a thousand islands, and yeah, yeah, that twelve was great. of them. I think, I, I think it was like twelve yeah, I of think them it was are CWAs. 12
1: well he had one of the best quotes about it he said if i have to give up fishing those little points and coves for for you know the 900 other islands I can't sign me up and, and, and that's a paraphrase but and i agree i mean that's that's why that's there
0: right um and that's an interview i did a few weeks back with kip frolick the former habitat species conservation uh director for fwc recently retired um the next one i'm gonna let you just go with first dan and then i'll i'll kind of follow you up but the new question is why are we trying to fix culture with rules
1: oh gosh this is a big one and uh, trust me this is one of my biggest pet peeves anyway across all all constructs because this is the uh problem i have with people wanting to uh, uh make Mountain Dew cost $20. You know, we want all these rules to fix cultural things. So we want public health initiatives. We want things and, and then we want to like, you know, legislate for those things to happen, not educate, not bridge a gap, not discuss. I would prefer education and organic uh, uh, responses from users to come to make better decisions. I don't want to use rules to do that that's that's for kids you know what i mean we should graduate to a point where we can make good positive decisions for ourselves so this is an extension of that we're trying to uh you know legislate or make rules to uh, improve a culture or do something you know to modify behavior and i just don't like it you know i'll just i'll just be very upfront with
0: that i'll drag it down this road because I wanted to talk about this the first time and this may be an unpopular analogy with some folks but i'm going to use it and I know there are some differences, so don't don't at me about. Well, one is part of a, an amendment to the Constitution, but too,
1: too late. I've already I've already pre-typed my email. Okay, to great, Travis.
0: I appreciate that. Um, but but one of the things that I compare this to a lot is the idea of gun laws, and there's a mentality, and I posted this in our private listener group, and got roughly a hundred responses, and ninety-seven percent of them said new gun laws don't stop gun crime. Like there's a tipping point in there somewhere. And the only gun law that would really probably stop gun crime would be the gun law that made all guns illegal and we're gonna burn them all and not have guns anymore. Like that's, right. if we're being pragmatic, and I know of oversimplifying that conversation a little bit, if someone is a lousy enough human to shoot someone's pool screen out today, what's to make you think that putting an RHA in place is gonna prevent them from shooting out a pull screen tomorrow. They shouldn't right. have done that because it was already against the law. Right. And and why why are we having this conversation in reaction to an event like that, isolated event like that, and we're getting into legislating something or, or, or managing, it's not really legislation, but managing something that you can't, you can't manage bad people away. No.
1: And again, we're oversimplifying it, but we're trying to use something that exists on the landscape—a discussion that's very common. Yeah. right? because we want to—we want to draw a parallel here. And uh, you're absolutely right; I agree with you. And uh, you know, I gave the healthcare example. You're giving a, a, a gun example. There's more other—you know, there's there's tons of other ones. It's it's kind of like road rules too. You know what I mean? We have speed limits. We have rules of the road. Literally, they are rules of the road. But some people are—you um, know. A-hole drivers, (laughs) and there's no amount of rules that are going to change that. Has to be a culture change, has to be organic, need people, you know, thinking better and advocating better for that type of stuff.
0: So let's get into the next new question we have is how do we keep this current language in perpetuity? And I don't want to talk about that yet. We'll talk, remind me to come back to that in a minute, because I want to talk about desired outcomes, and that's going to be part of what we talk about in desired outcomes. So desired outcomes, the first thing I have up here is the New York rule. And I'm going to read through some of that language right now, Dan, if that's okay. Absolutely. Um, per, Per New York's Department of Environmental Conservation, you may hunt waterfowl with a firearm or bow over water within 500 feet of a dwelling or public structure, as long as neither are within 500 feet for a firearm or 150 feet for a bow in the direction you are shooting. You may not hunt waterfowl with a crossbow. That's, but so essentially they've said, as long as you are over water, if you're on, if you're on in in Florida terms, submerged sovereign land, and there's not a house or property in the direction you're shooting, where you're going to trespass by projectile, you're fine. There's a directional component added to this. Okay. I love it. The other thing I love, and this is not in that rule, but this is a separate segment on the New York uh Conservation, what do they call it, Department of Environmental Conservation, DEC, um, talks about, I'll just read it, the Environmental Conservation Law generally prohibits discharge of firearms within 500 feet of a dwelling or other occupied structure unless permission is received from the owner. However, for waterfowl hunting, the New York State Legislature recognized that human settlement patterns of waterfowl habits warranted special consideration. When hunting ducks or geese that congregate near shore waters, it is safer for a hunter to shoot away from the shore than to shoot towards shore from open water. In recognition of this, the ECL specifies that when hunting waterfowl and shooting over water, discharge of firearms within 500 feet of a dwelling is allowed as long as there is not any dwelling, public structure, livestock, or person within 500 feet of the shooter in the direction they are shooting.
1: Yeah, I, I want to commend that state for at least putting together a group of people to, in essence, discuss the uniqueness of waterfowl hunting and what it means. It's clear to me that somebody in that whatever we're calling it, DEC, said, hey, well, this is different than hunting. This is waterfowl. This is a specific component of the general hunting construct. And they took the time to say, all right, well, I'm a duck hunter. What really makes sense? And that's where we're at because, again, we're back to this in in terms of RHA. The vast majority of hunting will be relatively unchanged. The potential sacrificial lamb or whatever we want to call it is the uh, uh, um, waterfowl hunter in these urban, suburban areas. And unfortunately, that's just where a lot of hunting is happening nowadays. And I want to do whatever I can to protect that. I commend New York for at least talking about the discussion of how waterfowl is a separate entity and, and, and worthy
0: uh, of, of its own, uh, uh, you know, special nuance. I'm going to talk about the pros I see in this. First, first pro. So, so let's say this, Dan. If we went to a statewide rule where you said you got to be 100 yards from a dwelling to discharge a firearm, new rule, repeal the RHA rule, and this is the new rule. you gotta, you got to be 100 yards from a dwelling to discharge a firearm unless you're shooting away from the dwelling in a safe direction, in a safe manner. Unless, as uh, as statute 790 states, if under the circumstances the discharge does not pose a reasonably foreseeable risk to life, safety, or property. Uh, I like that verb, it's just as good. So I love this rule, and I cannot think of a scenario, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I cannot think of a scenario in the state where this rule would impact hunters if you made it broad across all hunting can you
1: no and you know i've heard people with regards to 790 say well that's not a hunting rule oh, okay i understand but why not just say something to the effect of regarding waterfowl hunting the state will have the construct of 790 as its guiding factor because you're right. There's no real place where that wouldn't cover these specific situations. I'm, I'm talking from Panhandle, Big Ben, South Florida, the whole state. I'm
0: saying set waterfowl hunting aside. Why does That's it what even I'm have saying. to be waterfowl hunting? Like, like, no, I'm saying, is there a scenario oh, 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 I see where what you're in? Saying. Yes. Is there a scenario where are in? If you build a house on the edge of a WMA and you're running right. the fence line of the WMA, you can't turn around and shoot that house. Right. Just because you're in the WMA, that's not how. Gotcha. So there's not a scenario wherein this would ever affect an ethical or legal hunter anyway. And I shouldn't even put ethical in there, a legal hunter anyway, because if they're within that distance of the house shooting towards the house, I I can't think of a scenario wherein that happens. Right. Can you? No. And,
1: and so I see what you're saying. Let me, let me rephrase my, uh, uh, statement. So why couldn't we use in the um, WMA brochures or the broader uh, construct rules for the state, the 790, C790 for uh, uh, hunting related discharge across all uh, uh, types of hunting?
0: Or, and I agree with that. Like I've said for years, and I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of uh, national NGOs, gun groups, hunting groups about this. And the question that gets asked a lot is, why do you even have this rule? And I can't right. answer that question, other than the agency seems to believe we have to have this rule. There's a pressure coming from somewhere that says we have to have this rule. If we don't have this rule, we're gonna make it this rule. So, if that's the case, and and the agency needs their own rule, why not just make the rule, a hundred yard distance rule statewide, with a directional component that reflects the language of if under the circumstances, the discharge does not pose a foreseeable risk to life, safety, or property. And the state that's the, the state that is the closest in population and size to Florida, Florida's uh, third in population, twenty second in size, New York is fourth and twenty eighth. Has this rule that is is basically codified seven ninety for hunting, and they treat it in a way to where the language that I read about about human settlement patterns of waterfowl habits, that's codified in a education piece for homeowners for developers if you build just realize there's going to be scenarios wherein there are duck hunters in your backyard
1: yeah well this is why we're having rha part do you know this, this is why the conversation's here uh you personally i'm going to give you the, the credit here have gone out of your way to explore what is better than this rha discussion and this goes back for years we've been talking about this is going to come to a head And you put that search or discussion on, uh, you know, like Hyperdrive, for all you Star Wars uh, fans out there, to come to, all right, hey, here's something that's better. I still cannot figure out why this or some variation of this rule
0: isn't something we're exploring. Exactly. Which... What I'm trying to do is see movement to get the agency to look at this as an alternative to the RHA. Let's repeal the RHA Uh, rule. Let's get it off the books. Let's get the bird sanctuary to go away because we got the CWA to replace it. And then let's replace the RHA with a statewide distance rule with a directional component in it. Call it a day. Gets local law enforcement out of it, right? There's no more, there's no more handoff to local law enforcement it removes municipality involvement altogether, which is a problem I've had as a North American conservation model, ding, guy, for a long time. I feel like that's an abdication of public trust doctrine. When you yeah, when you it, begin to engage, if the municipality is holding the hearings and meetings to determine if we're going to make this into an RHA or not, we're, we're checking out on public trust at that point.
1: Yeah, and you, uh, you know, there are some people that, gonna, uh, that are going to think that, that this is a big ask. Well, man, that's pretty you know that's pretty major change you're i mean you're you're moving some major issues around here but yeah that's exactly right that this is why we're doing this Now's now's the time uh really let me let me rephrase that um years ago was the time and we didn't do it and that falls on me i was in that space much more aggressively back then knowing that this was going to be an issue and i didn't push hard enough back then and, and, and that's why i'm really feeling uh 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 you know, compelled to work on this issue now is because this just doesn't go away. And, uh, you know, we need to do something that's fundamentally better than, uh, uh, you know,
0: the proposed RHA language. I'm going to give you some more reasons. I think this is a good thing. It keeps FWC engaged as the lead agency on all management rules. Like whether or not local law enforcement can enforce whether your redfish is a keeper or not. Let's set that aside for a second. For the most part, I believe FWC is a, I don't want, I don't what's, the, they are the organization. Like they, the way their wardens handle themselves publicly is a excellent. They, they do a very good job with that. Um, They tend to try to err on the side of sportsmen generally. That's, that's where I'm going. Um, yep. I want them. I want to interact with FWC when there's any kind of issue around me and game stuff. I don't want to interact with Winter Haven Police Department or Polk County Sheriff's or Hillsborough County Sheriff's or any of those groups. I want to interact with FWC. This is easier to explain the New York rule and I call it the New York rule. It's not really, it's kind of an adapted version of that, but the New York rule is easier to explain because of the proximity to 790. So we now have a rule that from FWC that reflects this rule over here. That's a Florida statute already. That to me, we're going to get to this in a second about the, perpetuity of language of the RHA rule. And something Dan has talked about a lot is what happens if the RHA rule gets codified as written, the draft proposal gets codified as written. You talked about this on the first podcast. I'm going to hand it to you here in a second. But what happens if this, if the municipality decides, hey, you know what? This 300 foot thing doesn't actually solve any problems because all of our houses are 362 feet from the shore. So we need a different rule. We need to make it 500 feet or a thousand feet or whatever. Once the rules on the books, it's way easier to modify the rule. My opinion, because you have a vehicle there to get in and make customizations to
1: go ahead. Well, what, that's exactly what we're doing right now. This this without a incident of a, um, you know, a uh, um, Uh, A public safety incident without a requesting municipality currently we're dealing with this so how like I I said this uh, I think it was to you maybe someone else I'd be interested in signing on the dotted line with RHA current language if I could get it in perpetuity it wouldn't be my first choice at all I would prefer a, a, a New York like rule or something like that as a better vehicle but i I just have very low confidence that we the discussion is going to end there and again this goes back to what i've experienced in the past so currently like you had mentioned if the rha is not um uh, meeting the uh, desired outcome of the requesting agency why wouldn't they just go back and put this right back into some type of uh uh, you know, legislative, uh, uh, request or something like that. And, and then we're, you know, we're back to square one, uh, adapting, a already, um, poorly, um, constructed
0: rule. And strategically me not knowing anything about anything strategically, I want to know one of the things that we've told is from the, the language in the draft RHA rule talks about a dwelling density and it talks about, uh, uh, no more no no greater than one or no less than one house per acre i'm butchering that language but but essentially you want at least one house per acre density that language was taken from 790.15 how can we take the language from there but we don't take the direction or we take the density from there we don't take the directional component from there you've already you've already said we want this kind of as a template to write this rule you're leaving out a key component to that rule when you remove the foreseeable risk to life person or injury. I forgot. I, I butchered that a little bit. I believe that by tying this together closely with 790 in some form of a hundred yard rule from any dwelling, remove our HAs from landscape. You've got a hundred yard rule from any dwelling with a directional component to that, the directional component reading to the extent of the 790 language, if under the circumstance of the discharge does not pose a reasonable foreseeable risk to life, safety, or property. There's your rule in my mind, because it is now so tightly coupled to the statute 790 that when a municipality wants to come and change it because it doesn't solve their problem of, let's be honest, I believe a lot of this problem is about gunfire on Lake and being pro-development. Correct. It's not going to solve either one of those problems so when it doesn't solve it and they come back to change it we the agency is then protected as our trustee of this resource to be able to say well we tied it to 790 and if you wanted to change this you're going to have to go talk over there like it, it to me it strengthens it from every angle what you're talking about makes complete
1: sense you're preaching to the choir here there's you know no doubt that I'm 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 with, I'm with you on this all all the way but i'm going to i'm going to you know go to the other side Travis, what you're asking to do to change all this stuff is going to be very difficult because we don't have existing, uh, 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 you know, jargon to go with that. Well, guess what, people? The 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 things that are worth doing are difficult. This is this is not a, a reason to not do something that would be fundamentally better for a longer period for more people, specifically sportsmen. And I think homeowners in general are, are be better served by a clearer, more uh, statewide, broad rule as well.
0: I also and I'm not going to do a whole song and dance on this, but I also really struggle with the thing we get told a lot is this is about acceptance of honey. And man. go ahead you're shaking your head I don't like that I don't like that logic at all I don't either (laughs) and it's very difficult for me to talk about acceptance of hunting when I look around and see um, I'll just I'll use FWC's Instagram page for for a quick example quick and dirty example Uh, FWC's Instagram page the last time they talked about hunting on it was February of 2019 at the time of this recording So, and this is November of 2020. So almost two years, easily 22 months. Last time they posted about hunting on their Instagram page and that was 250, 300 posts ago. So it's not like they haven't posted in two and a half years. Right. Um, And I struggle with that. I can go, let's think of a state that's probably not thought of as a pro hunting state. And one of the ones that came to my mind was California. California three of their last seven posts were about duck hunting and that's just duck hunting. Like there's a picture of a kid with a dead deer in in the back of a truck. If you scroll down like within the first 15 posts. Yeah. That's not a be all end all. No, no, sure. We don't have an R3 coordinator in Florida. Right. Like we've, we've kind of checked out on that program and I, I'm struggling whenever we talk about acceptance of hunting, that part of acceptance of hunting is normalization of hunting and the agency that is the trustee for this resource, both hunting and the game that we hunt, I need their help some with some of that. And that's that's a strong statement. I don't mean that to demonize any one person because the hunting game management staff there, I respect the hell out of. But at the same time, I'm frustrated about that as a guy that's pushing on R3, I'm pushing on the North American model, I'm trying to do the right things for the right reasons. And we sure bandy about acceptance of hunting and not promotion of hunting very often.
1: Yeah. And we're going to need FWC's help here. I'll I'll just say it. We we need them to be the person because it's been said to us, me, you and and from from several others that um, we as hunters need to be the, um, you know, culture change component. Um, and uh, I, I, I agree with that to an extent. The problem is we don't have a delivery system that allows that, you know, it's easy to walk into a club or a lease and talk to 1520 guys and say, hey, man, we're having problems with this fence line. We, you know, we've had the you know adjacent uh, a farmer say, you know, so let let's tighten up or else we're going to lose this, and that that will hit home. But we can't, we don't have an avenue or a platform to talk about the the outliers, the 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 few bad apples, without FWC. They are our agency to do that, and we need to be promoting through our lead agency that um, acceptance and culture component and calling out the. Uh, um, you know, the the bad apples through that component because it's just too hard on social. It's too hard to do that. It is, but it's
0: also, it's like you're you're trapped in this gaslit relationship a little bit. Correct. For their social media team. I'm even saying, like, why do you, like, I I get it. Over the weekend, I shared something from Animal Planet and it was from (laughs) Northwood's Law where the, the game officer was out there looking at a kid that shot his bear. Animal Planet shared this. And right. if you scroll long enough in their comments on their on their Facebook feed, there's a dead bear on Animal Planet laying in a sled. If you scroll long enough, you'll find the anti-hunting community. But the vast majority of comments were supportive of that. And if you know it's the right thing, why aren't you just okay with it being the right thing and, and promoting the right thing? Because that's how you're going to normalize this in this conversation. Absolutely. And I, I struggle a huge deal. And, man, it it's hard for me to not go off on a rant about this a lot because I think it's, you know me, Dan, and you've known me a long time, but as part of the show, we've done Teach Me Conservation, we've done Help Me Hunt, we've done Pay Your Age, we've done all these things to get more people out on the water, in the woods, buying stamps for conservation, understanding the reasons we do the things that we do, why we love the things we love, that hunt is not all about the success of the pile of ducks at the end of the day. It's about being out there and experiencing this thing, this resource that we all get to partake in, and it's a hard sell for me when I've gone down that road to then look at this as a decrease, potential decrease in opportunity that's built around the idea of development and quote unquote, the acceptance of hunting. Nah, that's that you could, you can sell that someplace else. Cause I ain't buying. It. I,
1: I, I agree. And uh, you know, we, we've had conversations about this off the air and uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, I'm, I'll, I'll just go there. I feel it's like you're, dad or big brother that being ftbc is kind of they've let me down a little bit i still love them to death right they're still our number one advocate but i'm you know i feel sometimes like come on guys this is a, this is a time to let, let's push a little bit here let, let's try to put a line in the sand and and it, and it seems like they're not as interested as I would wish, but that's why we're here. That's why we're having this discussion. We, you know, we want someone to engage in, on on that side of it and have this discussion. Maybe it's a legislator, maybe it's not with FWC, maybe it's a one single commissioner, maybe it's something along those lines, but, but here we are and this is why we're going
0: through this. Well, and I'll push back on that, even to you a little bit and say, I think the agency does want to engage and does want to do a good job. I just think sometimes, there's a disconnect there between what's actually happening out in the world versus what's happening. I'll say in Tallahassee. Again, I don't want that to sound like a like an ivory tower type situation, but there's a disconnect there sometimes.
1: Yeah, and I and I have to remember all, all the time too. You know, because uh, um, I'm guilty of this. But I'll, I'll see on social or I'll hear somebody say, you know, FWC is supposed to represent hunters or fishermen. That is true, but they also represent every single citizen and and that that puts them in a uniquely difficult position so I understand that too
0: absolutely agree with that. I want to make sure that we're doing a thing and we talk about this a lot and I haven't talked about it I don't think on the podcast in a while but I talk game theory a lot that's that's one of my favorite kind of hobbies that you guys don't know me for but I, I talk game theory a lot and when you look at this from a hunting perspective, Strategically, the best decision is to put in a distance rule with a directional component because it strengthens it and it gets the RHA's off the book. I'm gonna I'm gonna point out a couple other things that are interesting. Um, I live near Lakeland, and in downtown Lakeland is Lake Morton. It's this historical lake. It's just this little, basically round, probably a sinkhole lake in the middle of downtown Lakeland, and the city of Lakeland has these swans on it. And it's loaded with ducks. I mean, if you want to take a picture of a duck, that's a good place to go take a picture of a duck. They'll all be there. The ringers, you'll see redheads, you'll see tons of mallard hybrids and straight mallards and regular mallards. And anyway, it's a loaded lake. I can't go hunt Lake Morton because I can't go hunt Lake Morton. Like there's not a, it's not within an RHA. The city of Lakeland is not requesting an RHA to make it so you can't hunt Lake Morton. This isn't about Medard park is a really not well-known place in Hillsborough County. And they have a, I think it's a 700 acre reservoir there. And there's a gator in this reservoir, Dan, I'm telling you, he's a dinosaur. He's, he's every bit. I know some guys are prone to exaggerate on, on size and stuff, but this dude is every bit of 13 feet plus, like he is a monster.
1: Wait, wait, guys exaggerate on size? It's, it's been known
0: I, to happen. I didn't know that. This alligator is 13 feet plus. You can't hunt there. It's it's managed by the county, by Hillsborough County. It's not in a restricted hunting area, but in the brochure, it says no hunting. I've, I know of several people that were, I, I have heard from the agency that people were prosecuted for hunting there. And I have also heard from the agency that you can't hunt there because it says no hunting in the brochure. So tell me again why we need restricted hunting areas unless restricted hunting areas is to put it around a person's house. That's not really under the municipality jurisdiction. This is about homeowner jurisdiction, private land jurisdiction that you've lost me totally, man. Like if that's the case, why are there areas out there where I can't hunt that aren't in RHAs today? The other thing and I'm going to pivot away from that for a second is I am super disappointed. I'm gonna I'm going to go back to our earlier conversation about about FWC as a trustee and kind of acceptance of hunting. I'm gonna say this, and this may just end it for me. Like this may be the last podcast <laughs> I get to do, cause I'm just, I'm <laughs> <laughs> but why are the NGOs in the hunting community in Florida and the hunting community leadership in Florida scared to push back on the agency about stuff like this? I, I have been to a bajillion and seven invasive plant management meetings and I have watched those biologists and that leadership sit there and take, just people just scream at them and stand around and engage in those conversations with those people and work hard to make it better for that stakeholder that's upset and that doesn't understand it, is frustrated. I've watched it with fisheries, both marine and freshwater. Like, I don't understand why there's, and I'm I'm saying this is unfair to FWC hunting and game management it's not fair to them that we don't push back when there's i have had conversations with people in hunting leadership that say this is a dumb rule and it shouldn't get passed but we don't want to be adversarial about it i don't know what to do with you at that point like it's like <laughs> it's like saying to to, to a person that works for me you're doing great you're doing great you're doing great and then friday afternoon saying listen we're going to let you go <laughs> what that doesn't make any sense so sorry i kind of went around in a circle there but yeah, it's
1: I, I think I'm not going to attempt, even attempt to try to speak for anybody, but I think it's just a more along the lines of, man, we're hoping we didn't have to deal with this. I, I really feel like that. there's an apathy about it because we are trying to live through an optimistic version of what our place is on the landscape. I have, that ship has sailed for me. I have a very pessimistic view of how, what it's gonna look like for my sons and daughters 20 years from now regarding hunting. Therefore, my default setting is to try to work on these things now. But I do believe that people in those spaces think like, oh man, it's okay, we'll get through this, this isn't that big of a deal. And I think it's it's a little bit apathy, they don't wanna burn bridges with other initiatives they have, but this is a big deal to me. I, I, it's a big deal, like I said, because 20 years ago, my I got I, I felt the, you know the sharp point of the horn as it come to closures around here and, a, and just a, a, a fundamental change with land use. So <clears throat> if they're not there yet, I'm not going to fault them individually. But we can, I think we should, we should start to fault them as, as a group because they have enough people there that I do think are concerned that they're not listening
0: to. And and that that's reasonable. And ding North American conservation model. Again, I think it's really dangerous in Florida. It's very easy. We, I I don't know if we talked about this before or not, but friend of mine, Matt Pierce with Florida Cattlemen's association, he has said many times, um, one of the things ranchers love to do is they love to shut the gate and go back into their 500 acres or 800 acres to 1200 acres and work on their cattle and be left alone. And whatever happens outside the gate happens outside the gate. And they want to worry about what's happening inside there and take care of their business and take care of their stuff and and just be left alone. That's exactly right. And hunters want the same thing, right? Like at the end of the day, they want the same thing. You
1: you don't, you don't, you're content to say, ah, man, I don't know. Um, I'm good here I, I, I feel bad for you or whatnot well what happens when it's your gate that's that's the problem there's in fact I mean let's you will put this out there uh, uh, um, Clay Newcomb the the whole expression with bear hunting is guard the gate yep and and I feel like we need to activate a little harder on this RHE thing because I feel like this is a, a guard the gate type of thing And I know a lot of people aren't there yet to me this is a guard the gate type of uh, issue
0: yeah and it's it's super frustrating to <clears> me <throat> because I think, I, th- I believe, and you tell me if I'm wrong on this, Dan, tell me if this isn't fair, but I believe we have a lot of good hunters in Florida and a lot of guys that are very passionate about hunting in Florida, but I don't believe we have a lot of people in Florida, and I'm not talking about the agency, I'm talking about you and me, the, the guys out there flinging arrows. I don't believe we have a lot of people that understand how tightly coupled hunting is to the conservation model. And that if we decouple it we have a major league problem we become yep. very expendable in the landscape if we decouple it
1: I think there's a lot of people that don't also understand how fragile this institution is
0: that's that's what I'm saying like we're on a very yeah. tenuous edge a very thin Correct. edge and if you decouple hunting from the North American model you don't need hunting anymore no exactly and so then it's be well hunting's always going to be around in Florida sure it is you'll be able to go pay to hunt deer on the Lightsy ranch or, or, or right, whatever. But you and I are not going to be able to afford to do that. Correct. And so I mentioned a minute ago, we don't have an R3 coordinator where are you going to recruit these people and put them into opportunities. If, if, if to deer hunt in Florida, you get a quota, let's say Florida continues to grow because there's no sign of that slowing down, right? Florida 2070 nope. is going to have 35, 40 million people in it. If, if some percentage, a percent of a percent of those people still hunt, you're going to double your hunter amount in that time period, roughly. So we're gonna go from 260,000 hunters to 400,000 hunters. Where are you gonna put those people? Well, they're gonna have to go to quota hunts or they're gonna have to go to private land. If you get a quota hunt every third year, are you gonna continue to hunt at the same level that you participate now? Nope. And where's that funding gonna come from? And I'll say this is a cautionary tale to those outside our state the number I've heard bandied about, and I've never seen this in concrete, I've never seen this in writing. But the number I've heard bandied about is that hunters account for about five percent of FWC's budget. Tennessee TWRa hunters are like sixty five percent. Wow. Uh, Mississippi, I think it's close to eighty percent. Right. When when you talk, this is free. This is just free lunch money stuff right now. But when we talk outside the state about the North American model and people bandy about the idea of things like backpack taxes. Once you replace the funding with another revenue stream, you make expendable the old revenue stream to some degree as it decreases as a percentage of the funding. So, if hunters get down to 1%, 0% half percent of FWC's budget. Today, yeah, they don't want to lose 5%. But that wouldn't be the end of the world. They don't want to lose 2%. Do they really care about a half percent or a quarter of a percent or whatever it is 15, right. 20, 25 years from now? Man, that's, that's a struggle that I have, and that's a struggle I have with public trust as well because they are entrusted with this resource, and from a public resource standpoint, that water belongs to me and you just as much as it belongs to the homeowner, and so right. I'm really, I'm struggling with this. Well, so I'm scuffling with it.
1: Well, we don't have a, you know, we don't have a constitutional protection for, for hunting now we have some Statutory statutory pr- protections And that's better than nothing 379.104 uh, if you want to look I, it up I believe that's right <clears throat> um, But I, I thought this was uh, crazy Just in this last 2020 election cycle Utah passed the constitutional amendment I would have thought they would have had that Midwest state like that uh, uh, Kind of a, a, a You know a, a western Cowboy rancher type of uh, Legacy still didn't have one And um, they felt It was important enough to put it in a constitutional amendment because of the culture change that's happening there. Well, here we are in Florida. Right. And, and, you know, we don't have that protection. And, and like you said, we can easily get usurped from 5% funding to be uh, uh, our our funding mechanism being a, a non issue for them. And then where are we? So, our clout has to be based on falling into the model right like we've said the the public trust component and accepting that we are a minority on the la- landscape and we and we, gotta we got to fight we gotta have to fight for to, to keep our place
0: I think there's a thing and I don't say this very good but I think there's really and I've, I've had so many conversations about this recently but I think there's two schools of thought in the Florida hunting community one is this and we've heard ranella's brother say this the uh, the Steve ranella's brother I think it's matt say he doesn't believe hunting exists in 100 years. I believe there's a school of thought in the Florida hunting community of hunting's gonna go away eventually, so I'm gonna get what I can get while I can get it. But then, and I tend to fall into this school of thought of, no, this is important enough to me that I'm gonna stand and fight for it now so that 100 years from now it still exists and in some small part it will be because of the fight that I put in now on this landscape to protect it. If you think at a very macro level, we've said this both before I think on the record, neither one of us wants to hunt behind a house. We don't want to hunt within 100 yards of a house. Nope. But at the end of the day, if the choice in Florida is to have public waterfowl hunting that is accessible for this population growth and density that we're experiencing in 50 years, and you can either be comfortable hunting behind houses and having an urbanization of that hunting or you don't have hunting on the landscape, I'm choosing hunting all day long every day because that's that's me. That's who I am. And that's what I've kind of sworn to uphold. So I have a serious problem with this because of that.
1: I agree. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, it goes the same way with weapons for me too. If they take away guns, I'll throw rocks. I don't care I'm, I'm gonna hunt I'm gonna hunt till I can't anymore till my body won't let me I know that this is just How how I'm wired at this point. I don't want that though, and I'm right. gonna continue to push back against that uh, uh, to, to preserve
0: you know our place on the landscape. Okay, I think we've beat this horse to death for the moment Wow Um rha's part do do you, you feel good about it <laughs> man
1: i'll tell you what I, I i i feel good that we got our answers we went through the process and we've done our diligence now what will make me feel better is if we get uh, a couple others to do the same and and, and push back with us
0: yeah, that would be great. That'd be great. All right. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll be back uh, next week is Christmas list. What we want for Christmas. Oh. Yeah. So Dan won't get to participate again because that'll be fun. Actually, I think that's just going to be me. But um, no, we're going to we're gonna talk about our Christmas guide and stuff to buy from our friends in Florida. Like, like Florida vendors and Florida artists and Florida creatives. And so you won't want to miss that. That'll be uh, Thanksgiving week. And we'll be busy shooting ducks in the face, hopefully.
1: That's what I'm hoping y'all out there. Stay woke.
0: Thanks again for listening to the cast and blast Florida podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we hope we've raised some good points and and maybe spark some dialogue and conversation to lead to better outcomes for all of us in the state. Uh, We appreciate you guys spending some time with us every Tuesday and, and during the main part of the year, every Thursday as well as we do a conversation interview series as, as well. Um, As always, if you haven't left us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, can you figure out a way to do that? Five Stars really helps us out and helps other people find our show. But the best thing you can do is just telling someone about our show, sharing it in your Facebook group, sharing it however you share things, email, text message, carrier pigeon. Whatever inefficient other methods you have for sharing this podcast, we sure appreciate it if you could get it in front of as many ears as possible. As always, our intro and outro music is "Citrus" by Trail Diver, Florida Boys through and through. We hope everyone's having or having a great time scouting, scouting good, doing good scouting. Whatever. We hope everyone's ready for duck season, and if you're not a duck hunter, we hope you're enjoying your time in a tree stand or fishing or whatever it is that you're doing. Hope everyone has a great week, and we will talk to you all next week.